Get Up Nation. I hope you're enjoying the Get Up Nation podcast on www.anchor.fm. As a podcast host on over 20 platforms, I really enjoy how easy it is to use Anchor, how Anchor makes everything I need available in one place for free, accessible on your smartphone or desktop computer. Go to www.anchor.fm now. In case you didn't know, Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit each episode. If you're concerned about the distribution of your hard work, don't sweat it because Anchor takes care of that too. If you're considering becoming a podcaster, I would highly recommend Anchor as your choice to begin sharing your content with the world. Get Up Nation. My name is Ben Biddick. I am the creator and host of the Get Up Nation podcast, where I serve individuals, organizations, and societies to develop and sustain resilience and perseverance. I'm the co-author of Get Up, The Art of Perseverance, with former Major League Baseball player and CEO of Rurong Living, Adam Greenberg. The Get Up Nation podcast is brought to you in partnership with GotYour6Coffee.com, where Navy veteran Eric Hadley is committed to serving first responders, veterans, and their families through a variety of nonprofit organizations. No stranger to adversity, Eric has fused the necessity of coffee with his passion for public service. You're already purchasing coffee. Why not empower your coffee with purpose? Why not purchase coffee that not only has your six, but also has the backs of those who don a uniform of service for our communities and great country? Learn more about Eric and his freshly roasted award-winning coffee at gotyoursixcoffee.com. Welcome to this episode of the Get Up Nation podcast. Recently, I had the honor and privilege of speaking with Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey. They're the founders of the world's largest wine brand, international keynote speakers, and New York Times bestselling authors of The Barefoot Spirit, How Hardship, Hustle, and Heart Built America's Number One Wine Brand, and The Entrepreneurial Culture, 23 Ways to Engage and Empower Your People. From humble beginnings in a laundry room of a rented farmhouse to the boardroom of the world's largest wine company, E&J Gallo, they learned valuable lessons crucial to any business. They consult and train startups and Fortune 500 companies on brand building and company culture. Their books are required reading in more than 50 schools of entrepreneurship. They're highly recommended by companies seeking to increase their sales and engage, empower, and inspire their people and regularly contribute to business journals in 43 cities nationwide, contributing articles and interviews to Inc., CEO Forum, Forbes, and other major business publications. I cherish the opportunity to share with Get Up Nation Michael and Bonnie's insight and perspective on the role of resilience in entrepreneurial success. Michael and Bonnie, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Ben. We are delighted to be here. Such a pleasure to speak with you both today. As you know, at Get Up Nation, we seek to serve individuals, organizations, and societies to develop and sustain resilience. Will you share some of your experiences in that laundry room of that rented farmhouse as you began barefoot? (laughs) (laughs) The experiences. Yes. Well, I'll tell you one quick story, Ben. When we started off, we realized that we had to have an office, but we didn't have any money to rent an office. So we said, well, we've got to be creative. We've got to be innovative. We've got to take a look at our assets and make the best use of them. So we looked around our own house to see where we'd have room to have an office since we didn't have the funds to rent one. And we saw that we had a little extra room in our laundry room because we didn't have a washer and dryer. We couldn't afford one. 
We said, well, that's where we'll put our desk. Okay. Well, (laughs) we couldn't afford a desk either. So we went out to the old barn out back and found a table and washed it down, put it on two sawhorses. And that was in our first office. That was our first desk in what became the world's largest wine brand. So talk about starting small. Hey, anybody can do it. Huh. Yeah, it's a good thing we couldn't afford a washer or dryer banner. We wouldn't have had any room. <laughs> that entrepreneurial drive, was that something that was always in you? What was the genesis there for wanting to create this business? Mm. <laughs> it was a debt that we took on. Well, we, huh. you know, a lot of people say, <laughs> follow your passion. And uh-huh. we believe that opportunity presents itself more often than a passionate solution. So we followed uh-huh. our opportunity, but we followed it passionately. Both uh-huh. Bonnie and I had been entrepreneurs one way or another for many years prior to this. So the idea of really working for anybody else was not on our mind. It was more like, what can we do to serve the community where we live? So we moved to the wine country because we love the country. We didn't know anything about wine. Mm. You know, we were drinking beer, I think, and probably martinis at the time. (laughs) But, you know, it was beautiful. Rolling hills, you know, beautiful river, beautiful coastline, green and verdant. It was amazing. But we got sucked into the wine industry. So, you know, that that's how it all gets started. Hmm. And then you recently released an audiobook. Michael, you were quoted as saying, the problem with business audiobooks is that they tend to be simply read by a narrator. This can be tiresome and one-dimensional. Business books are typically lists of do's and don'ts. They can come across as prescriptive, patronizing, and even preachy to a new generation. On the other hand, business audio theater is fun, entertaining, and memorable. Why is sharing principles through story a more effective approach to helping others succeed? It really is more memorable. You create this vision in your mind when you hear the story. You you imagine the characters and the props and the location. And by telling a story, the point of the story is more memorable. And that's how stories, that's how history has been carried on through the generations in our past was all through story. So we want people to remember the lessons that we learned the hard way so it won't be so painful for them. We want to help people succeed faster. So what we did is rather than strict narration, We actually hired people from the entertainment industry to act out the parts. And we put in music and we put in sound effects and we put in editing. So you kind of have a movie going on in your mind. And like Bonnie Mm -hmm. says, you know, if somebody says to you, John walked into the room and picked up a chair, you look for a room you in your head and then you look for a chair in your head. Well, because you're looking for those in your memory, you are now participating. It's experiential learning. And when you experience, you create these milestones or our touchstones, I should say, in your brain. And that's how we remember things. You know, you smell a flower, you think of Hawaii, you hear a song, you think of your old girlfriend. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And Bonnie, will you share a little bit about the genesis of the Barefoot logo? The audiobook does a great job of communicating the excitement you both experienced as you and Michael designed the Barefoot logo. She needed to make it solid. She needed Michael to draw it. And she needed this to happen fast. That's why she was almost vibrating to get it out and why she hustled a half-asleep Michael to the little green chalkboard in the kitchen. I know what the label looks like. 
this is going to be a big success. I could see it stacked in supermarkets. This is going to sell a lot of wine. Michael picked up the chalk and started to draw. Quick, quick, draw a foot. What kind of foot? A nice foot. Just draw it. Michael sketched a slim right foot along the bottom of the chalkboard. No, 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 stand it up. He erased it and drew one with the heel at the bottom and the toes straight up. Close. Tilt it to the right. He erased and drew again. No, no more tilt. Just a little. Make it look like there's some motion. It's like someone is stepping up. Bonnie's voice was getting louder. She was talking faster, feeling like this was even more urgent. Her panic was growing. They could not lose this idea. Is that it? By now, the chalkboard had a layer of white dust from all the erased chalk. Really close. The foot should look like an exclamation point, an italicized exclamation point. And give it a little more arch. It got more tilt. It got more arch. How's that? Now write barefoot. Michael put down barefoot next to the angled drawing. Closer. Move it closer. Put the T all the way inside the arch. Bonnie stopped bouncing and looked at it. The board was nearly white. The air was filled with chalk dust. They stood silently, surrounded by their intensity. Both were taking big breaths. <sighs> Bonnie's fear had dissipated. They looked at a slim right foot, pointing up at a two o'clock angle, acting as an exclamation point for the barefoot written into the arch. They both thought it was good, but they had no idea that in not much more than a decade, it would become an iconic national label. <sighs> there, that's what the label looks like. That's gonna sell a lot of wine. Well, we got ideas from so many people because we didn't have any history in the wine industry. We, we didn't have any preconceived ideas about how it's supposed to go. So we went out and asked all kinds of people. We asked buyers from the top chain stores here in California. We asked people that worked, managed the bottling line. What should our label look like? And we asked forklift drivers who move big pallets around. We asked people in stores that put product up on the shelf, what moved, what didn't move, what information could they give us about how to design a label. And we took all of that information from everyone, and it just kind of gelled into an idea that created the label. I, I came in late one night with Michael after a dinner with friends, and I said, I know what the label looks like. It had all kind wow. of come together at once. And so I had him draw it on the blackboard. The excitement was extreme because I saw the whole picture at once, and I knew it was going to be a big success. Barefoot is the same logo as the name and that was one of the requirements we were looking for and also to make it you know easy to remember and easy to see on the shelf and so with a big foot it really jumped right out on the shelf and wine was originally made by crushing grapes barefoot so that's how that related to the wine and what else Michael well it was in plain English you know a lot of wine labels were in French or you know they had some term that was hard to pronounce so here you go barefoot write the name it's simple it's American and a barefoot right the image right so it represented for us, it represented not only the way the wine was originally made, but it also represented a recreational lifestyle. 
where when you're barefoot, it's hard to be uptight. You know, you come home, you take off your shoes, you might put your feet up in front of the fire, or you go swimming, or you walk down the beach barefoot. So all of that has a big impact on the message that the logo is trying to get across. Hmm. How does your exuberance about the logo and the experience, both of you working together to create something that, that improves people's lives, as you, as you mentioned, serving people to, to have an increased quality of life by bringing them up barefoot wines, the joy of that creative process, how did that help you stay resilient? Was it a, as this unfolded and as these things came to mind, as the logo developed in your minds and as this got rolled out and people began to experience it, was that a vital part of the resilience through the adversity that you faced uh, during these times, seeing your creation improve people's world? Oh, of course. When we did our first tasting and we had this bottle on the table and it had a big foot on it, and we're pouring our wines for these tasters. This woman came up, and she looked at the bottle, and her face just lit up. She grabbed it, and she held it close, and she said, I just love this label. Now, how many people get that from their consumers? (laughs) That was a real thrill. And to have people say as we went on, you know, this was the first wine I ever tried. And they said, you know, I was always intimidated by wine, but this is really friendly. And, you know, I can relate to this. And realizing that people were getting barefoot and having a great time, it really opened up their minds to something new that they hadn't experienced before. But I've got to say, even more important, I think, was all the nonprofits that Barefoot supported. And they were local community fundraisers. And that's how we got the word out. And that was truly the most rewarding, is knowing that we were helping communities to satisfy the needs, such as an after-school park or a new library or cleaning up a beach. And that is really the Barefoot spirit And that's why the barefoot spirit isn't so much about the wine, but it's about the attitude. It's about the movement behind the wine, which is all inclusive, which is supporting your community. Yeah, I'd just like to add to that, if I might. You know, we talk about perseverance, tenacity, and resilience. And Bonnie and I have clients because we're advisors to many startups and businesses that are trying to get going or expand. And they always ask the question, how do you keep going, you know, when you get knocked on your back? How do you pick yourself up and go? And we Mm -hmm. say, go back to those early adapters and just say, hey, tell me again why this is such a great idea. I really need to hear it again right now. And in other words, the fuel of tenacity is validation. Mm -hmm. Right. That kind of plays into the clip with Ed Asner. He does such a great job in your audiobook and it describes situations where you did run up against some adversity and some unforeseen challenges as you built this brand. Yeah, who do I have? What do you want? Michael put a bottle of Barefoot Cabernet and one of the Sauvignon Blanc on Brown's desk. We bottled the wine and want you to see it. Brown picked up the bottle of red and looked it up and down. Then he did the same with the white. This is what you asked for. There aren't any leaps or hills or rivers. It's a label she can read from four feet away. The logo is the same as the name. It's in plain English and easy to pronounce. It's a name she'll remember and a logo she won't forget. Michael was proud of what they'd done in the way of a student with a good report card. Barefoot was unique, interesting, and fit everything that Brown and the others said would sell. The wine, he knew, was terrific. The label was friendly and fun. 
What's not to love, he thought. Brown kept looking at the bottles. He didn't say anything. The silence was uncomfortable, but Michael sat quietly. Brown looked at the bottles again, but said nothing. Michael figured it was just Don Brown being Don Brown. Make everyone sweat. So, Don, how many truckloads do you want? Brown put the bottle down at his desk and looked at Michael like he was from Mars. Michael couldn't have gotten a worse look from Brown if he had clucked. Are you crazy? I can't buy this. Nobody knows this brand. Nobody's ever seen or heard of Barefoot. It's everything you asked for. Yeah? So what? That doesn't matter. No one's going to buy something they never heard of. You got to advertise it. If you're willing to spend $1 million on TV ads, I'll buy from you. We don't have that kind of advertising budget. In truth, they had no advertising budget. There wasn't $100 for ads. Then you gotta go make a name for yourself. You gotta go sell it to every mom and pop store in every corner till everyone knows what Barefoot is. Michael felt like he just got hit by a brick. That'll take years. Well, Hulan, you better get started. Alicia, a little bit about that. A lot of people fall in love with their products and services. I know we did. We said, hey, it's $5.99. It's gold medal winner. It's got a cute label. What's not to like, right? And you wind up kidding yourself to thinking that because your your end stream user, your ultimate consumer will love your product, that they're going to knock down windows and kick down doors to get to you. And the fact of the matter is that you have to go through some kind of a distribution system. I don't care whether it's online or through bricks and mortar, you've got to go through some gyrations to get your product to the general public. And that's the part that we didn't really appreciate in our clients today. Many of them don't. And, you know, unfortunately, getting there is more important than what you're selling. That's why there's so many mediocre products on the market. They have excellent distribution. And that, you know, if they run out, they're immediately replaced on the shelf mm-hmm. or they get front page news on Amazon or something. So, you know, you really have to start thinking about the bigger world, what's involved here besides your product. And this, the scene with Ed Asner is really the wake up call where, you know, the Michael Houlihan character walks in and says, here, it's everything you want. And still the buyer won't take it. And the reasons that the buyer won't take it turn out to be the keys to barefoot success. So even though he was cold and snarky and Hmm. and kicked us out of the office on the way out, he was telling us, you know, Hey, if you guys want to succeed, here's what you really have to do. That's excellent. Yeah. What I wanted to talk about was the no game clip of the audio book. The no game was straightforward. Just keep trying until you get a yes. Lots of times they cheerfully attacked getting told no, as if it were a puzzle to solve. This came just as much from lessons Michael and Bonnie learned in their lives as from business experience. There was, for instance, a dinner with Mabel in the early 1990s at a Mexican restaurant in Santa Rosa. Mabel couldn't get the server to take her order. I'd like to have the vegetable fajitas, please. I'm sorry, ma'am. We only serve beef, chicken, or shrimp. Are you sure you can't make an exception this time? I'll even pay a little extra. 
I'm sorry, ma'am. I wish I could. Fajitas, of course, are usually grilled meat, chicken, or seafood on a tortilla with loads of onions and peppers. Okay, then. I'll have a chicken fajita. Hold the chicken. No problem. That's the no game. Figure there's always an answer. Just keep playing. The quote it ends with is, there's always an answer, just keep playing. Will you take us through how you turned no into a game that empowered you towards success by perseverance? Well, particularly as a salesperson, you will get no a lot. It can be discouraging, but we always like having fun in our company. I mean, you've got to have a good sense of humor if you're going to put a foot on your label, right? <laughs> so we said, okay, okay, I know you got a few no's, but let's see. We figured out that seven was the average number of no's that a person would get before they got to yes. So using that number seven, we played this game called the no game. And if you have less than seven no's, well, you didn't have anything to be crying about yet. <laughs> Just keep going. And if you were over seven, wow, we were excited. You are getting closer to yes with every no. I see. Because really the only one who can say no is you. And that's when you stop asking. So the no game was if you get a no, you ask a different day, a different way, or a different person. Hmm. But you don't give up. I see. What other methods or techniques did you use to creatively face these challenges? Well, one of the things that we did was we believed in what we call the know-the-need basis. Now, most companies operate on a need-to-know basis. This was just the opposite of need-to-know. This was know-the-need. And who needs to know it? How about everybody that works for you? So if we had a problem, even though it was a marketing problem, and even though we had an engineer in the room, we would respect that engineer's opinion, and we would say, here is our marketing problem. What do you guys think? And because we respected them, because they were employees, they had a financial interest in our company succeeding, and we believed there was only two divisions in the company, sales and sales support. So even though the guy was an engineer or a winemaker or a lawyer, they were still in sales support. So we would ask them questions. And Bonnie, why don't you tell them the story about the sticky feet? Okay, so we would have national sales meetings, sales and marketing meetings, and everyone that worked for a company that was out in the field making sales would call in, and everyone in our office would go into the conference room, and we'd all hear the progress, the challenges, the goals of all the salespeople in their individual territories. So during one of these meetings, our salesperson in Florida said, hey, I've got good news and I've got some bad news. The good news is we've just been approved to do sales in a test market in, what was the name? Publix, one of the largest supermarkets in Florida with about 600 stores. Wow. Wow, what a wonderful opportunity. Right. So we were all excited about that, and we said, okay, so what's the downside here? And he said, well, for the test markets, they put barefoot wines on the bottom shelf. Hmm. So anybody in retail knows that's the worst place to be because nobody looks down. Right. And somebody made a joke, and they said, well, we're barefoot, so maybe we'll just pick up the foot traffic. <laughs> So that got us laughing, and somebody else said, you know, that's not such a bad idea. She said, you know, we could walk people from the front of the door 
store of the store when they first come in put these big purple feet on the floor <sighs> and walk them right down the wine aisle and then turn the feet to face our shelf nice. of where our product is. And then they'd be looking down at the floor, wondering why they were there. <laughs> and what do you know? They'd see our product. We can put a sign there with an arrow that says barefoot. It'll make them laugh. <laughs> and once you've got them laughing, they're halfway to buying anyway. Right, Ben? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that worked so well that we used what we called sticky feet all over the nation to walk people right to the aisle where our product was. And guess who came up with that idea? Who's that? The receptionist. Excellent. Wow, that's great. Yes, and because she needed to know the challenges of our company. Wow. And she knew our staff, our product, our, our team that all worked together well enough that she could offer this idea and we could accept it because we all worked together to solve any challenges that we had. Oh, that's great. So the idea is one of the ways we overcame adversity obviously was humor, like yeah. the no game. Yeah. But it's also, you know, the good news, bad news thing uh, where you share, you know, the, the knowledge of your problem with everybody on your staff, people that aren't even qualified. You just, you'd be surprised. Sure. That's where you get your best idea because let's face it, we were outsiders. And we upended the wine business. Had we been insiders, it would have been a boring, you know, also ran same old. Uh-huh. Right. So the fun you have, the humor you have, the team building and cohesion that's built upon welcoming people's insights into how to build a brand. It's got to be a tremendous experience. And how much pride that must have inspired your team to know that they're part of this cohesive group that's working together to overcome challenges and improve people's lives. How satisfying is that? Exactly. And you know what else we did, Ben? We would write a memo to our entire staff and we would say, you know, we had this problem at Publix in Florida being on the bottom shelf and Charlene came up with this great idea for footprints walking down the aisle to lead people there. And, you know, Charlene is our receptionist and this was a great idea. Now Charlene knows two things. She knows that, number one, that she's being appreciated. Right. She also knows that if she does more like that, she'll get more appreciation. Right. And aside from money, the reason people work for you is for appreciation and acknowledgement. Right. And so then the other people on the staff would read this memo, and now they'd have more respect for Charlene. They wouldn't just see her as a receptionist. Right. They'd see her as some kind of a marketing genius, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's tremendous. To let each person on your team know that they're valued is tremendous for engagement. It shares your passion for entrepreneurship, for creating the Barefoot brand. It's bringing people on board to use their creativity and to contribute to something special and, and know that it's meaningful to participate in this process with the team. That is a powerful element of resilience, especially when you know we hear Gallup polls of the number of American workers who are not engaged at their work and how, how satisfying it is for many people who may be dissatisfied in their work hearing this process and seeing how they could incorporate that into their small business or their endeavor, their entrepreneurialism. That's tremendous and, and a light of kind of hope and positivity for other people who are looking to find meaningful work in their lives. Absolutely. And anyone who's run a company for any length of time should know by now that the number one hidden cost in any company is turnover. Huh. 
by building this kind of teamwork and engaging everyone in your company to work together towards the same goals, that really does bring it, a build a team that comes together and wants to stay together. So our turnover was like non-existent for the last few years that we had our company. Amazing. As you look back at all you've achieved and the people you've worked with and the lives you've improved, how satisfying is it now to have had that exploration together as a couple, to have built this this amazing brand and to have done this over time and all the lessons that you've learned, how satisfying is it for you then to help people be resilient by providing your insights, by providing them this audiobook that they don't just read or hear, but they experience? What a tremendous way to live life. I, you know, I remember recently on an episode, a guest said, life is for living. And a lot of times we get stopped by distraction or whatever it may be, but to live a life and to help others experience that entrepreneurial dream and, and bring their vision into the world and to learn lessons that help them overcome challenges and help them be more resilient. How satisfying is that for you to share your expertise with others today? Well, what's really exciting is that we've created a learning tool that exists now for other entrepreneurs to take advantage of. It was wonderful, the business that we built and the team that we built, but now we can share that experience and the lessons we learned with others. And that's through the our New York Times bestseller, The Barefoot Spirit in paperback. And now that it's in an audiobook format, I think more people will have an opportunity to listen to it. So we continue to use this audiobook and the lessons we've learned as a learning tool for other people. And it goes on. Once it's recorded in an audiobook or in paperback, it's there for the future. And that's what I'm totally excited about, mm. is that we can help others succeed faster. You know, we work as consultants. Uh, they used to call it coaches. Nowadays, they call it advisors. So every year, it's a new name. But basically, what we are is we're, you know, we're entrepreneurial cheerleaders. We can help people get through the dangest problems. And why? It's because of what you said. We've gotten our butts you know, we have actually been down in the trenches. We've learned the hard way. We know what it takes. It's not single-dimensional. It's multi-dimensional. And so we thought, well, how can we get this idea across in an entertaining way? You know, and so here it is. You can listen to a play about the wine in your fridge and how it got there. And it's it's pretty darn humbling, let me tell you. It, it's, we are no different than anybody else. And we learned our lessons the hard way, just like most people do. But what's rewarding, I think, for us and what keeps us going and teaching and helping is that we know down deep in our hearts that we really can make a difference and we have made a difference with many businesses. That's great. I always end the show with six questions to help my listeners understand the why within my phenomenal guests. Will you run through these six quick questions with me? Okay, let's go. All right. Who are you thankful for today? Oh my gosh, I'm thankful for all the nonprofits that opened their doors to us and their members who supported us because Barefoot supported their organizations and their goals. And I'm thankful for all of the great people that worked with us and for us and helped us get through the tough times. And now that we've covered who you're thankful for today, what are you thankful for today? 
I'm thankful for all the lessons I've learned that I can share with other people. And I am thankful for the technology that allows us to do, you know, a play and uh, give it to people to listen to on their earbuds. That's great. How do you fuel the fire within you? <laughs> well, we find taking walks in nature really rejuvenating. Oh. Just to take our minds off everything and just be there in the moment and enjoy God's creations in nature. That gives us great peace. And by clearing our minds, then we're ready for the next challenge. And we also are fired up when we see the looks on people's faces when we give them solutions that they haven't thought of. And they go, oh, gee, I'll try that. Yes. And they try it and it works. So, yeah, that's, that's what keeps us fired up. Excellent. What is one thing adversity taught you to value? Oh, I'll let Michael answer that while I think about it. <laughs> well, it taught me to value a cool head and to step back from the problem. You know, we live in a just tell me the one thing and, you know, get it done and move on world. And, you know, that's really counterproductive to long-term success. Sometimes you really need to take a break, just like Bonnie is right now, to think about the question and you know, become more objective and provide a more thoughtful answer. One of the things we found is, you know, you can ask yourself some questions like, who benefits if I benefit? Who else has this problem? In other words, who are our natural strategic allies? And because we know that they exist, even though we haven't discovered them yet, we now are skilled enough to ask the question and say, who are they? And start looking for them. As opposed to trying to wrap your head around the problem and solve the problem. Maybe there's a solution that somebody else has thought of or in another industry that you can apply, or maybe somebody on your own staff's got a solution. You don't have to be on the hot seat all the time. I think my answer would be quite similar to that, and also it brings to mind the no game. You keep going on with your goal in mind, but sometimes you don't take the path that you think would lead to your goal. You really have to take the blinders off and look at things from different points of view, put yourself in other people's shoes, think about the timing of your idea and your goal, and just be open to a whole different approach. No one individual can have all the right answers. We really have to take a lot of feedback from everyone around us. And so it's really all-inclusive, and we're all going ahead and improving and evolving together. And that's the goal, is to improve and evolve together. I love that. What are you doing today you may have never thought you could? Huh. Well, you know, as mentioned, we never thought we'd be involved with Hollywood. I mean, we're in the wine business. They say California's got three businesses, software, wine, and Hollywood. <laughs> well, I guess we better get into software next. <laughs> but no, I ne we never thought we would be working with Hollywood actors and production companies and dis distributors to develop a new format for audiobooks, which is a theatrical format where actors play the parts. And we never thought we would be able to offer this as a service to founders who want to preserve their legacy and provide an onboarding tool for new hires. Love it. Well, that's, that's really my answer as well, is that now we're in a position, now that we have created the audiobook of The Barefoot Spirit, to help other founders 
tell their story. Hmm. Every company has got a very exciting story behind it, and we don't want those stories to be lost. That's part of the product or the service that's being offered, but so often it can be lost. But now we have this learning tool, this theatrically performed audiobook, to preserve their legacy, to preserve their philosophies, to preserve the founder's story, which every company needs. And what will you do tomorrow? You may have never thought you could. Oh, tomorrow we are going to be on our, I think, 15th podcast in the last two months. And we never thought we would actually promote an audiobook by podcasting. But, you know, podcasting is really popular. It's up 20% over last year. You talk to young people, they've got butts in their ears. They're not listening to hip hop. They're not listening to rap. They're listening to podcasts. And so we're very excited that we can be part of that and to promote this new way of conveying information through infotainment, really, and getting people excited about, hey, just listen to this story and see what you get out of it. Well, I never really thought that I'd be in a position one day to have been a successful co-founder of a business and have those experiences that I can share with others. That is so exciting for me. The lessons that we learned were painful. They cost us a lot of money. They cost us a lot of stress and time. And now I'm in a position to share those lessons with other people so they don't have to go through all of that. And that's that's really exciting for me. I'm happy to be in that position. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. All right. How can people learn more about you and your amazing work? They want to hear a free chapter of our new audio theater. They can go to www.barefootaudiobook.com. And when they get there, they'll see all our social handles and everything else that we do. They'll be able to navigate around. But that's www.barefootaudiobook.com. Excellent. Excellent.